some of you sweat a lot? Yeah? I mean, do you, I mean, where you get, like, your shirt is entirely wet. So, no? That's good. I wish. I mean, because you, I don't know, you don't sweat, you glitter in the, yeah. But yeah, I mean, it gets so hot sometimes. And when it gets really hot, it gets, I get thirsty and I get hungry because I'm walking around. I mean, it's, it's really uncomfortable being really, really hot. Well, we're going to talk about a time when the Israelite people had to travel through the desert. And this is a picture I found of a desert. Does that look like a comfortable place to be? Would any of you like to go camping there? No. No? Why not? There's a volcano there? Yeah, that would be dangerous, yeah. Yeah, lava comes out on your tent, that would be no good. Yeah. Yeah, there's no food or drink and you'd be super sweaty. Yeah. Well, a long time ago, there were some people, the Israelite people, and they were suffering. And they had a ruler that was very harsh and mean to them, but God heard their prayers, heard their suffering, and said, I'm going to get you out of this suffering, terrible situation. And do you want to know how God did that? I'm not going to tell you here, but we're going to experience it out there with some of our youth. So I need all of my middle and high schoolers to help me. And we're going to see what it was like to have that kind of a rough life and then how God got them out of their suffering situation. So follow me. Now we come to the time in our service where we like to share our joys and our concerns with each other so we can be in prayer with each other throughout the week. So if you have something to share, just raise your hand and let me know. Yeah, Barbara. Mm. Amen. Amen. Barbara's giving thanks for the life of Olive Cook, who passed away a couple weeks ago at 99 years old. We celebrated her life here on Friday, and the family was very clear they wanted it to be a celebration, and that it definitely was. Absolutely. Pat. Absolutely. Prayers for Pat's daughter, Corinne, who is looking for a new place to rent. Jane. Woohoo! Jane is retiring June 1st, which she introduced as a huge joy. Congratulations. Anyone else? Yeah, Peter. So Peter's aunt recently died from lung cancer and prayers especially for your uncle and their kids. Yeah, Clark. When he was 10 years old, my nephew Brookie had to have a radical surgery where his left brain was removed. Mm. And uh, yesterday we celebrated his 23rd year after that surgery. Wow. 
your, that was your nephew, you said? Yeah. Okay. His nephew had a very radical surgery many years ago, 23, and is still doing well. So joy for that, absolutely. All right. Let's have a few moments of quiet, and then I'll lead us in the Lord's Prayer. So let us pray together. Gracious God, you hear our prayers. We offer them today and every day in the name of the one who teaches us to pray together, saying, Our Father, who art in The scripture reading for this morning is John 15, verses 8 through 17. 
My Father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit and become my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in God's love. I have said these things to you so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. No one has greater love than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I do not call you servants any longer, because the servant does not know what the master is doing. But I have called you friends, because I have made known to you everything that I have heard from my father. You did not choose me, but I chose you, and I appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last, so that the Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. I am giving you these commands so that you may love one another. This is holy wisdom, holy word. Thanks Thanks be to God. God. So many of you have heard me talk before about Camp Kaz. That's where I went to church camp once a week every summer as I was growing up. When I was a teenager, in my early teen years, there was a new cabin built at Camp Kaz. Now this was a huge deal. And my church raised most of the money to fund the cabin, actually provided a lot of the labor to build the cabin, so we got to name the cabin. Now, up until this point, all of the cabins at Camp Kaz had been named after people, most of them people who were influential in the founding of Camp Kaz. So we had cabins named Sherman and Swanson and Reynolds and Gray, And I thought, of course, this new cabin should be named Nelson, right? Now, not after me, not quite that vain. After my dad, he was the pastor of our church at that time, and he really was the one behind raising all the money for the cabin. Cabin Nelson, I mean, it's perfect. However, the decision was not up to me. We were a church. We made a committee. And the committee did surveys and did interviews. And I think there was a contest at one point. And finally the day came where they revealed the name of this new cabin. And the name was to be Koinonia. And there were a lot of puzzled looks in the crowd. And I could could see people thinking, who is Mr. or Mrs. Koinonia? I've never met them before. And so the the committee quickly explained that they had decided to not actually name the cabin after a person. Instead, koinonia is a Greek word, and it's translated as community. Though that is a pretty simplistic translation. Koinonia actually has much more depth than that. Koinonia is you know, a gathering together of people in love and in respect. It's a fellowship. It's a communion. There's a very deeply spiritual element to a koinonia community. 
And the naming committee said, you know, that that is the kind of community that they experience when they're at Camp Kaz, and they wanted to honor that with Koinonia Cabin. Perhaps not quite as good as Cabin Nelson, but a beautiful name nonetheless. Now, I've been thinking about that term koinonia as I've been reading through this passage from John's Gospel. Now, koinonia is not actually used as a word in this passage. We see it for the first time later in the book of Acts. It's used to describe the new church community that forms after Pentecost. But I think in this passage, Jesus is really laying the groundwork for what koinonia looks like. Love one another as I have loved you. Abide in God's love together. Bear fruit that lasts. All of those such important elements of koinonia. Now, koinonia is not something that we only see in scripture. It's not even something that only happens at church camp. In fact, I have heard stories of koinonia every single week for the last 26 weeks as we have hosted our rest program every Sunday night here at the church. REST, the Rotating Emergency Shelter Team, uh, which is a variety of faith communities, each who host people experiencing homelessness on a different night of the week. And we've been hosting here at Westminster on Sunday nights. Now, I've been told that one of the many issues that people who are experiencing homelessness face is that of feeling invisible being walked right past on the street or being looked past as if they're not even standing there. You know, just people walking by as if there isn't a human being right there in their midst. Now, when I think about the REST program, I think that it probably could have been something rather nameless and faceless. You know, here we bring some food to the church, offer you a place on the floor. We're kind of in and out every Sunday night. But when this program started 10 years ago, our organizing team was very clear that that is not how Jesus calls us to be and to live in the world. No, Jesus calls us to love one another as he has loved us. Jesus calls us to abide together in God's love. And so when our rest guests arrive every Sunday night, one of the first things they receive is a name tag because they are not invisible. Each one of those men is a beloved child of God with a name and a face and a story. And when our volunteers arrive every Sunday night, they're encouraged to not just stand behind the buffet table and wordlessly scoop food onto plates, but instead to engage with our guests, to sit at table with them, to share stories together. For that is koinonia, soul sharing with each other. Now this past Sunday night, a week ago, Michael Hatfield and Barbara Kessel played music for our guests as they arrived and as they ate together. And after that experience, Michael Hatfield shared a little bit about it. And he said this, he said, Barbara and I have played Many, many places for Bread and Roses, that's a local nonprofit. 
We've played at drug rehab centers, places for kids, senior centers. But this event on Sunday night was different. It was holy, and Westminster became a sanctuary. That right there is koinonia. Holy community created when we come to the table together. Now, unfortunately, rest is ending. Rest has ended. This was the last Sunday that we will host rest in its current form. And thankfully, there are lots of people working on next steps. So come winter, these guests don't have to sleep on the streets. There are even more people working on solutions for permanent housing. So we don't have to have guests moving from shelter to shelter to shelter each and every night. There's still a long way to go. We aren't really sure right now what the road ahead is going to look like. But it's my hope that as we discern together what the next steps are going to be, that we won't forget about koinonia that we won't forget about the loving fellowship and community that has been created here every Sunday night for 10 years. For that, I think, is just as important as finding permanent housing, which is very important. But continuing to remember how we have loved each other as Jesus has loved us. One of our members, Joan Brown, has made it a commitment to be here pretty much every single Sunday night since rest has begun. And every Monday morning, she writes an email that sort of recaps what has happened the night before. In this past week, after our final rest gathering, she closed her email by saying this. She said, my biggest concern is how we stay connected to our guests as we move forward. And certainly, her concern is that we find housing for our guests, but she is also so concerned about staying connected. That is koinonia, the connection that we have with one another. Now, there have been so many people involved in making rest happen every week from cooking, to serving, to cleaning, to organizing behind the scenes, to buying supplies. It truly has taken a village for this to happen. So many people with time and energy and love, all to live out that commandment of Jesus, to love one another. So I'd like to ask if any of you here today have done anything as part of this REST program to help build this koinonia, Would you stand up? Take a look at this. It's going to be a lot of people. Oh, my goodness. All right. Yes, let's. uh... So you all can be seated, but I just want to thank each and every one of you. I know each of you who stood has been involved in a variety of different ways. You all have truly shown us as a congregation what koinonia really looks like. And I'm so appreciative of that. Now there's another place here that koinonia often happens, and that's here. Here at the communion table. Here when we come to share in the Lord's Supper together. 
Now, there are many reasons why this meal is set apart from your average, ordinary, everyday meal. But I think one of the most important things that sets this meal apart is the welcome, is the invitation to everyone to come to the table. Whatever your story, wherever you are from, whatever your life is like, come to the table. You are welcome here just as you are. Now, if ever you have participated in communion before here at Westminster, you have heard that invitation, and you will hear it again today. Come to the table. You are welcome here. That is such a powerful invitation, one that I know has changed me. For I know that here at this table, I am loved unconditionally. I know that here at this table, I am forgiven and set free. Come to the table. Now that's an invitation that our rest guests heard every Sunday night as they sat at tables together in Finley Hall. Now those tables looked a little different than this table, but yet koinonia was there, the loving gathering of fellowship and community and communion. And I hope that should our rest guests ever join us on a Sunday morning, they would know that they are welcome here at this table. I hope that anyone who would walk through our doors would know beyond a shadow of a doubt that they are welcome here. They would hear that invitation to come to the table just as you are. I can't help but wonder, though, how often people who are experiencing homelessness actually do hear that invitation. I'm guessing probably not that often. I'm guessing that people experiencing homelessness are far more often avoided than invited. So what might we do about that? How might we make sure that that invitation is spread far and wide, especially perhaps to people who aren't in this room right now? For that truly is what Jesus is calling us to do. To extend that invitation, to say, come to the table, you are welcome here just as you are. And to extend that invitation to people, not just who are are friends, not just people with whom we are comfortable, but to everyone. To extend that invitation far and wide, come to the table. You are welcome here. Amen.
You may be seated. Now, I know part of feeling welcome here at the table is knowing what to do, so just a few logistics as we come here to the table. The ushers will invite you row by row to come down the center aisle. Then you can then take a piece of bread from the plate, dip it lightly in the cup, and that way partake of both of the elements together. There will be a gluten-free plate right here in the middle if that is important to you. You can then return to your seats by the side aisle. Sharon and I will be up here at the front should you desire a time of additional prayer. We will be here for that. There are some hymns listed in the bulletin. If you'd like to sing with us as we take communion, you are certainly invited to join in that. Now, Jesus invites us to come to the table in peace. So I invite you, as you are comfortable, to stand and to share the peace of Christ with one another. Peace be with you. Amen. Go ahead and start. You may be seated.
let us come together. Will you join with me? God be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to God. Remember the last night of his life, Jesus gathered his friends together. And as they shared in a meal together, he took the bread. And after giving thanks, he blessed it and he broke it. And he said, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this, remembering me. Come, for all things are now ready.
of joy. Come to the table of joy. Come to the table of joy. This is God's table. It's not yours or mine. Come to the table of joy. 
us pray. Remain with us, O God. Make this feast the nourishment we need to grow more connected with you and with all of creation. With this food and this drink, let us be the love that we have found in you and in your beloved Son. Amen. So as always, I invite you to take a look at your bulletin. Take a look at all that is happening here in the life of the church and get plugged in in the ways that make sense for you. I want to highlight just a couple of things. First, immediately following this worship service, Barbara Rowe will be leading an informational session. She's standing there in the back. Just in case you don't know who Barbara Rowe is. Um, Next February, she'll be leading a trip uh, with the organization Borderlinks down to the border. It's an educational trip where you learn and hear from a whole bunch of folks there at the border. So come see pictures from last year's trip and hear about next year's trip right after worship. Well, that's true. There was a trip last year and all kinds of pictures, and you can hear about that as well. Uh, Next, two weeks from today, May 20th, we're going to be having a new members orientation. If you're new to the church, if you're interested in joining and becoming a member, we invite you to that. We do ask that you RSVP in advance so we can get a sense of who will be coming. You can let me know or let our secretary know in the church office. And finally, uh, the first Saturday of June, we have a banquet coming up, a celebration banquet. This this is to celebrate our capital campaign and also to celebrate the life of our church community. So Sandy Smith is taking reservations, and she's requested that you let her know either a yes or a no. Often we only respond when we are planning to come, but Sandy would love to hear either yes or no. I believe she's even going to be out in the narthex following worship. Yes, she is. So if you want to stop by and even let her know today, that would be great. It's a free banquet just full of celebration and fun in the life of the church. So I invite you now to stand as you are comfortable, and let's join in our closing hymn. It's number 511.
And now as you go from this place, know that the love of God, our Creator, Jesus Christ, our Redeemer, the Holy Spirit, our Sustainer, goes with you now and always. Amen.